Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, aka Not Another Sales Guy. I'm a sales and mindfulness coach who works with managers, C-level executives, and business owners who want to become more mindful and self-aware of how they operate, whether that be through selling, managing, or running their own business. I believe for us to truly connect with those around us, whether they be our customers, colleagues, even friends or family, we need to truly understand ourselves first of all, understand what makes us tick, what makes us feel fulfilled in our life, and what do we really want. And this is one of the reasons why I started Not Another Sales Podcast, because too much is placed on the practicality and skill of doing something. Whilst that's important, I believe we should start with our mindset and behaviours. Start at the root, understand that, and grow it from there. This episode of Not Another Sales Podcast is brought to you by Mindful Talent, a global coaching organisation that trains aspiring coaches and innovative leaders. Their programs, The Trusted Coach and The Trusted Leader, are founded on the principles of mindfulness and developed in alignment with contemporary neuroscience, offering a globally recognised coaching qualification that is accredited by the Association for Coaching. Their online blended learning program has qualified hundreds of participants around the world, helping them to gain an edge in life and in business by increasing their emotional and social intelligence and their ability to connect with others. If you're interested in training with this incredible organization, which I would highly recommend, then you can visit their website and use my personalized URL code to gain 10% off any of their programs. www.mindfultalent.coach That's www.mindfultalent.coach and reference my code, not another sales. And now on with the episode. In today's episode, I'm joined by Head of Workplace Wellbeing Programs of Strategy and Development at Mind, Faye McGuinness. And Faye and I are going to be talking all about the future of wellness in the workplace. We're going to start by talking about why the shift in focus towards wellness has happened in the workplace in the last few years and what this has looked like in terms of output, how smaller businesses can support it, and also how leaders can be the driving force behind it. So sit back, grab a pen and pad, and enjoy. Faye, welcome. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Thank you for joining me on an episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. You're more than welcome. So, Faye, obviously I, I know you fairly well. Well, not fairly well, but well enough so far. <laughs> It'd be great for people tuning in who aren't too familiar with yourself to give them a bit of context and a story, really, of what makes you you. Yeah, of course. Um, so my name's Faye um, and I am the Head of Workplace Wellbeing Programs at the mental health charity Mind. Um, I've been at Mind now for about four years um, and I started in the organisation leading on the development and the delivery of a really exciting programme actually supporting um, the mental health of people that work in our emergency services. Um, a really fascinating programme and a really interesting piece of work and over the, the sort of four years that we delivered that program, we started to see a really significant shift um, in the culture around mental health within those services. And we really started to see the, the emergency services be really open about their own mental health. Um, so a really fascinating piece of work and one that I felt really, really passionate about. Um, and that's why I'm really excited now to be in this role of Head of Workplace Wellbeing Programmes because I get to do similar things across a whole range of different sectors and with lots of different types of employers. Um, and to really sort of be on, on that journey with those employers at this time is, is really exciting because I really think people are waking up to the importance of mental health at work. So, yeah, um, really, really enjoy my job and really enjoy what I'm doing in this space. 
great, great. And it kind of links in nicely to what we're talking about today. And one of the one of the many reasons why I wanted to speak to you, obviously your experience, but also having seen what you're talking about on platforms like LinkedIn and other areas is around this this wellness in the workplace. And as you mentioned there is that there's a there's a lot more of a focus on it now. And I suppose first of all, what do you think has caused this shift, particularly in the last few years, for this focus of wellness in the workplace? Yeah, so I think that employers are really waking up to two things, really. I think they're waking up to the sort of human cost um, of of not making this a priority. But I think they're also realising what the financial costs are. And we have to be realistic. You know, we're often talking about businesses um, and businesses obviously need to think about the financial implications and things like productivity. And I think probably one of the big things that happened in the past couple of years is that in January 2017, the um, Theresa May, the then Prime Minister, um, um, commissioned an independent review really to look at workplace mental health. And that was quite a significant review because what it did is it outlined the true human cost, which was around 300,000 people every year losing their jobs because they weren't getting the right support around mental health. But also that review set out the financial costs. So the cost to employers directly in terms of not supporting mental health at work is up to £42 billion per year. Um, between wow. 33 billion and 42 billion pound and the cost of the UK economy so the whole economy is around 99 billion pound per year so actually employers are really able to see now that you know it's not not just the human cost which in my opinion is the most important but also mm. there is a, a huge financial cost um, so we, we're, we're seeing now that smart workplaces are really recognising the value of prioritising workplace well-being. And actually, as a result, they're seeing happier, more engaged and productive staff who are then less likely to take time off sick. Um, and actually, a recent survey by mine found that 60 percent of workers would feel more loyal, motivated and would be more likely to recommend their organisation to friends as a good place to work if their employer invested in supporting their well-being. So, you know, the stats really do speak for themselves. Um, so we we know that employers are, are seeing those stats and are, are realising actually this makes really good business sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's fascinating, some of the figures and stats you threw out there as well. And I think for me, when I, when I thought about this as well, I think technology's played a big part in what's caused this shift in just making it a bit more exposed in terms of how business is seen and talked about and also how people are communicating what they're thinking and what they're feeling and it's almost you know we'll go into this in a bit shortly but sort of reducing that taboo about around some of these subjects as well and and giving people some fresh ideas and approach to to how things are being done and also an idea of what's being talked about in the online space as well yeah absolutely i mean we know you know the the number one reason why people are still not talking about their mental health openly and not just in the workplace but more broadly in society is the stigma that is still attached to mental health and mm. actually what technology allows you to do is to to reach more people um much more quickly um and essentially i think that helps in terms of being able to get messages out really quickly so we're seeing lots more people on social media talk about mental health you know, we see the work of the young royals, we see celebrities being much more open about their mental health problems. And actually, those sort of platforms that allow people to speak um, really enable other people to see actually, well, well, if they can talk about it, then maybe I can talk about it. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think technology does play a huge part. Obviously, there are lots of sort of apps being developed, which people are seeing as really beneficial. People are being able to track their moods or being able to kind of engage um, at a level that, that they might not have been able to engage with if they weren't comfortable enough to talk face to face to somebody. Um, I think on the other side of that, we know that kind of 
not so much just technology, but social media can also sort of play a part in having a negative impact on people's mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we always need to kind of look at both ends of that. And I think in a world of technology where we're always switched on, um, and I, you know, I speak about myself in that as well. I know I'm much more switched on to technology than I probably should be. Um, That can have an impact, a negative impact on on people's mental health. And, you know, we we try and do things at mind, such as um, implementing a policy around not sending any emails between 8pm and 8am. Um, and, you know, just trying to embed that culture where, you know, we recognise that technology is really important, but we also know that people need time out um, from from technology. And and that's that's proven really sort of beneficial in terms of staff not feeling that pressure to be switched on all of the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I might, I'm going to try and implement that one for, for my work as well. It's, uh, it's, it, it's, 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 but the point there is as well is some of these things are, it's not looking at this sometimes as a big thing. I think sometimes organizations do is but looking at all these little marginal gains that you can make and all the little small things you can implement that can add up to a greater sense of well-being overall absolutely and I think you know when we talk about implementing you know strategies in workplaces around mental health or work it's easy for that to feel like that's a really big task and I'm mm. not going to sit here and say that it's easy because actually if you want to do this right you really do need to invest sort of time and resource into this But actually what we're seeing, particularly with smaller businesses um, that don't necessarily have that sort of large budget or lots of resource or capacity to be able to implement those big things, we're seeing that they're actually implementing those kind of really small things um, that you can do as an organisation. So one example of that is that we're seeing many employers sign up to something called the Time to Change Pledge. We've got over Mm -hmm. a thousand um, organisations signed up to that now. And essentially, it's an organisation's commitment to changing how they think and act about mental health in the workplace. Um, And as a result of that, we're really seeing a shift in public attitudes towards mental health. Um, And that's actually something that they can do for free of charge. So they can sign up to that pledge and we'll work with them to develop an action plan. Um, And, you know, that's something that they can do to implement some really good practice. Um, But it doesn't cost any money. Um, Yes, it does Mm -hmm. cost time, um, you know, time to write the action plan and time for somebody to implement some of the things that they've put in that plan. But there are really small things that organisations can do. And and I always recommend, you know, when when an employer says, you know, this feels like a really big task, um, I always say to them, you know, start start with the small things. Be realistic about what you can achieve. Um, And one of the things that we've done at Mind to really try and support employers um, is we created something called the Mental Health at Work website. Um, And that website is free for anybody to access. And essentially, it's the first stop um, for anybody that wants to know anything about mental health at work. And there are hundreds of resources on there that people can access um, that will really sort of support and speak to them. Um, So as a first starting point, if an organisation is feeling like this feels like a, a big task, I'd really recommend that they go onto the Mental Health at Work website as a starting point. Great. I'll definitely include that that link in when we when we share this um, share this out there. And I think also with with that point as well, you talked around smaller businesses that might feel like this is a big task. They might feel like we don't have the infrastructure of the people. But it's almost like one of the positives about that is because they're so small. One thing that can get lost with bigger businesses is that communication level, that feeling like you're heard. So when you are a smaller business, I think it's important to sort of set that culture from the start. And that comes from, of course, the leaders, but also implementing those small things, but just getting feedback from your people within your teams, whether you've got five or 15 people of what's important to them and getting their expectations of how they'd feel more comfortable and supported at work. Absolutely. So that staff engagement is so important. And 
recently actually we we just launched them free online training for small businesses um and mm. as part of that we we engage with them to kind of understand what they wanted to see in that training because it's really important for us that it spoke to smaller businesses and actually what many of them said is you know we often focus on the the kind of small businesses don't have the budget they don't have the resource they don't have the capacity but actually it'll be really nice to also focus on what the positives are around working in a small mm. business and that that sense of you know that family feeling that sense of community the sense that you do know each other really well and actually therefore sometimes people are more likely to tell you if they're struggling um so there are some real positives um in terms of smaller you know working in smaller businesses um you know alongside all of the challenges that you face if you are a small business of five people and you have somebody that's taken time off because of their mental health that does have a huge impact on the organization um so i think you know for us it's we really need to kind of understand the unique challenges that that smaller businesses face but also the the positives like you say and there are lots of there are lots of positives and i think that the point you made about actually sort of setting that culture from the beginning you know i think that needs to you're absolutely right that needs to happen and and we talk a lot to organizations about you know what they do around mental health and you know there are lots of organizations that are doing some great stuff you know they're implementing training they're signing up to the action plan you know the time to change action plan they're using the gateway but essentially what we say is that you know it can't just be ever just a one off um no. you have to continue to embed this over and over again so it should be part of your staff inductions it should be part of your staff training you know it should be part of the you know awareness days that you're raising that should be a continuous thing um something that we have in mind which we um recommend employers to implement is something called the um wellness action plan um which is essentially a, a well-being action plan for any staff member to complete and it really starts to help them open up the conversation with their particularly their line manager around the things that cause them stress or anxiety um what you know signs they might show if they're feeling unwell what they would want their manager to do if that was the case um and it's a really good tool actually and it really starts to open up that conversation as soon as a person starts within an organization so setting that culture from the start is absolutely fundamental um and you know the role of leadership in that is really really important yeah and um, when on that topic of leadership as well it's all very well saying oh we have a you know a policy where you can come talk to us but it's almost like acting on it rather than just talking about it not just having a the poster in the hallway, for example, when I, when I went out for Mental Health Awareness Week, I was talking about this with uh, quite a few leaders in, in recruitment companies, um, predominantly, around you know, starting those conversations and being being a bit vulnerable yourself to sort of share with what's going on and what's what's happening in your life to make others feel comfortable or provide that setting for them to then be able to open up. And uh, one company I visited, uh, Austin Fraser, have uh, what they they kind of call like wellness champions in that yeah uh, they'll they'll have people within the business who were talking about this on their instagram stories for the week but we'll still openly talk about it afterwards of people that have gone through various different challenges around mental health and wellness and are quite open to talk about it and therefore have these people in the business to go to and they're at different levels as well so it's not just your leaders it's your people who might be quite new yeah. in the business and also more senior yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, um, as part of our Time to Change programme, actually, we we train uh, mental health champions within the workplace. Mm-hmm. And actually, that is a model that, that has such a huge impact. Um, and it's really important um, when we are sort of um, equipping those champions for, for us to recognise that we're we're not saying that they're mental health practitioners. They're not, you know, 
that it's not necessarily that they have to have all of the answers and it's really important that we 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 get them to understand the boundaries of their role but actually as champions what they can really do is they can listen to their colleagues they can listen to people um, and they can signpost they can signpost onto support um, and that's really really important um, but the mm. the senior leadership piece as you said is is vital um, where we see such really good engagement in organizations is where senior leaders have been open about their own experiences um, and everybody has to do what feels right for them in terms of what they talk about and how they open up um, but we've seen some real great progress in organizations where senior leaders have been open about their mental health have been open about the struggles that they face um, but staff within the organization can see that actually they're being open and that creates a really really good culture um, and actually something that was launched um, earlier this year is something called the Inside Out Leadership Board, um, which was um, something that was was launched. And essentially, it's a, a leaderboard of leaders across a whole range of different types of organisations who said, I'm going to put my hand up and actually say, I have experienced poor mental health. Um, and that was um, launched in the Sunday Times. Um, so got quite a lot of coverage. Um, and actually that list is building year on year. So we're starting to see many more senior leaders come out and be open about their experiences. And I think that is going to have a huge impact on how organisations shift their cultures around mental health at work. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. That's, that's so good to see. And again, it's, you know, the more people do this, the more people are going to feel comfortable and then it's almost like it's just going to hopefully well you know hypothetically become the norm one day um which is not saying it's close to that but there's a lot of work that needs to go into it and one thing you said earlier actually as well with about the um mental health champions is listening and i think this is so important around advice for people when you are when you do have people come to you at work who might be a colleague or a peer is don't feel like you need to try and solve something it's just showing them you're there to listen a lot of the time is the, the biggest thing you can do with that level of empathy rather than sympathy but trying to sort of you know balance it out and compare it to something is just just listen is something that people often find quite hard because we want to solve something <laughs> yeah. if someone comes to us and we think oh they come to us they obviously want an answer <laughs> and it's a lot of the time it's you know having been on the other end it's like no it's just i want someone to listen and not to prejudge or assume they know what my challenge is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we're naturally fixers in life. Um, most yeah. people are anyway, and we do we want to fix people. And actually, um, what we say is when we when we go out and give presentations about how you might have a conversation if somebody approaches you to say that they're feeling unwell or their mental health isn't isn't very good at the moment. And that that is the first point, it's to listen listen to their experience, listen to what they have to say. And actually, it's recognising that you can say, actually, you know, what you're feeling at the moment is, you know, is, is normal in the sense that lots of people feel like this at times in their lives. Um, but recognising, you know, at what point you need to signpost on to further support. Um, because you also, you know, yourself have to set those boundaries, um, particularly mm -hmm. if you're, you know, if, you, if you're not a mental health specialist, you know, you, you, you kind of do have to set those boundaries. But listening to people is just it's such an important skill um, and it's really important that organizations as in and employers provide people and champions with the information that they need to signpost on correct you know correctly um, so that they feel comfortable enough to be able to do that um, and I think you know the, the there's a really great um, 
uh, animation that Brené Brown um, has a voiceover mm, about. Yeah. And it's, have you seen that one around sympathy yeah. v empathy? And it's, it's a brilliant, <laughs> it's a brilliant clip. Um, and we play that quite a lot, actually, when we do our champions training, um, just to really show people the difference. Um, and that, that really does hit home for people. But you're right, you know, listening is, is a fundamental skill. Um, and, you know, that that sense of you don't have to to fix people, or try to fix people, but to listen and to signpost to the right support is is a really positive thing that you can do. Mm. And another point, great point you mentioned there is, is just making people realise that they're not alone in how they're thinking, is that when we become, we can sort of become isolated and start thinking about this, this idea in our head or these thoughts can make us feel like, well, no one else is going through this because we have no level of comparison because we don't know what other people think. But it's sometimes just once you say it out loud to someone and they sort of give you permission to make you feel like you're not alone in this, it's like helps you give a bit more perspective to that that, that certain state in which you're in. Yeah, totally. And I think what we say is that everybody's experience is, is their experience um, and mm. no two experiences are the same. So mental health problems affect everybody really differently. So, you know, it's not necessarily saying, oh, I know how you feel because, you know, your experience might be different, you know, to that person. Mm. But it's actually saying that they're, you know, that their feelings, there are many people out there that, that experience poor mental health. We know that one in four people do um, in any given year. And in the workplace, it's one in six. So, sort of normalizing that in that sense is really really important um and yeah and I think that's something that we talk about a lot in terms of you know when when you're trying to have that conversation with somebody that kind of normalizing that this is an experience that many people face um is is quite important yeah so what do you see as some of the changes you expect to happen or think should be implemented related to this topic in you know years to come to to strengthen some of the points we talked about yeah, so I would say that as part of the Thriving at Work review, it set out um, some mental health standards. Um, so there were 10 standards that were set out in the review, which all organisations should be implementing. So there's six core mental health standards that regardless of sector or size, um, organisations should be implementing. So that includes things such as developing a mental health at work plan, um, encouraging open conversations about mental health, Really importantly, actually, it talks about how you measure the impact of what you're delivering in your organisation to improve mental health at work. So we see that, you know, quite often um, employers are implementing a whole range of really great initiatives and, and really great ideas, but actually not necessarily measuring the impact that that's having on staff. Um, mm-hmm. And so what we say is, you know, it's great to do your yearly staff survey. That's really, really important. But what are the kind of touch points that you can keep checking in with staff um, to make sure that you're seeing kind of improvements um, in terms of st- staff mental health and well-being? Um, and one of the things that we have at mind is the Mind Workplace Wellbeing Index. Um, and over 300 different employers now have, have signed up to that index. And it's really a benchmark of best practice. Um, and nearly 44,000 employees have actually taken part in that index. So it's it's been a really important tool for us to kind of look at what the kind of state of the nation is in a, in a, a slight sense um, in terms of, of mental health at work. But we, we recommend that organisations really kind of measure um, the impact that the, the initiatives they're delivering are having on people. So implement those, those thriving at work standards as a kind of bare minimum. I think that's really, really important. Um, and what I would do is I would say that the kind of the, the key to, to kind of implementing good practice in organisations is, is looking at kind of three areas. How do you promote well-being for everybody? 
So when we're looking at that kind of early intervention prevention and making sure that your whole workforce is well, you should be looking at how you're promoting well-being for everybody. Um, number two is you should be tackling the causes um, of poor mental health in your workplace. So that's going to look different for every organisation. But you really need to identify what those factors are that are really impacting on, on your staff well-being and try to tackle those. And then thirdly, how do you support people in your workplace that do have mental health problems? Because you will have people in your workplace. We know that one in six. So, so they're the kind of three areas that you should really be looking at. It's well-being for all. It's tackling the causes, but also making sure that there is adequate support for people that are experiencing poor mental health. Um, you know, essentially what we want is for people to be thriving in the workplace. Um, and to do that, you need to make sure that you're looking at, at everybody's well-being. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And from from what you've said today, and then obviously from once when I first heard what you were talking about on LinkedIn, you you come across as very clearly passionate about what you do. And I'm quite curious to know where this where this stems from. What's the sort of greater purpose? What's the why behind it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've always worked in the third sector. Um, I've always worked in the charity sector. I've always had a passion for making sure that people are treated equally, that people get respect and get support. Um, and that was in a, you know, in my previous job before this, I worked for um, a charity that supported victims of crime. Um, so I was really passionate about making sure that people that were affected by all types of crime got the right support and care. Um, and for me, you know, making sure that people with mental health problems get that respect and support is is so important. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a real issue in our society in terms of the stigma that still exists um, and the the lack of support that people still get. So I feel very very passionately about that. Um, and I think you know we have all been touched by mental health um, I, I haven't had experience of my own personal mental health problem but I have family members and friends that have been impacted by mental health and so for me making sure that you know that everybody gets the right support is is absolutely vital so yeah I feel I feel very passionate about it and also I recognize you know that although work isn't always the cause of somebody's mental health problem um work is a place where we can all go and actually be in a community where we can get the right support that we need and for me you know I'm, I'm really lucky to do a job that I feel really passionate about but I know that I thrive in my workplace and I feel like we all deserve the opportunity to do that. Mm, yeah absolutely and one point I'd, I'd, I think um, we, we've touched on it a number of times but it, why I think it's becoming a bit more of a focus now overall is that people are starting to see their employees as more than just their employees as they've got a life outside of this. And it's not just yeah. how I provide support for someone when they're in my workplace is how do I provide support for this person in their life? And by doing that, you, you create that kind of environment where you have that workplace, that culture where people feel comfortable to speak out and in and to, to, to overall enjoy themselves really. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're human beings and therefore there are many elements of our life that we actually bring to work. Um, and, mm. you know, we absolutely recognise that somebody's uh, mental health might be affected by something that's completely unrelated to work. But actually imagine being able to come into your workplace and actually have that time where you can interact with your colleagues, you can feel productive, you can feel like, you know, you have that space 
um, that, that might actually take you away for a period of time away from that sort of difficult time that you're facing outside of work. So, you know, work should be a place where people can come and talk and get support and thrive. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time in the workplace. Um, so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think more and more employers are starting to see that, you know, human beings are, are a whole. They're not just employees. Um, and I think the more the organisations see people at, as that, I think they're going to see a much sort of more productive and happy workplace. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Faye, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for your, your insights and your stories today. It's been really good talking to you. Oh, no, it's been really enjoyable. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. And for, for people who want to you know, check out some of the things you've mentioned, I'll obviously put links in when I share this out. But is there anywhere else you'd like to direct them to or how they find out a bit more what's going on with what you're doing in the world? Yeah, no, I'd say for anybody that is um, wanting to know how they can implement things in their workplace, um, they should visit www.mentalhealthatwork.org.uk. For anybody that wants to kind of keep a track on what I'm doing in this space, you can follow me um, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Faye McGuinness um, and I'm always posting stuff uh, in terms of my travels around the world of mental health at work. Great, great. Well, thank you again, Faye. And for the listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of another sales podcast hey people thanks for listening to another episode of not another sales podcast if you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes and posts you can find me on instagram not another sales guy underscore in each of those words you can also find the podcast on all major platforms by typing not another sales podcast and also if you want to connect to me on linkedin i go by the name of chris hatfield So thanks again and stay tuned for another episode.